0: And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater.
1: Thank you very much for listening to Trilove, a literal roundtable podcast where we talk about movies we saw or people we met at the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find us on Twitter at Podcast. You can find them on Twitter at Trilon Cinema and at Trilon.org, where you can purchase tickets to movies like the one we're about to talk about today. My name is Jason Daphnis. I want you to tell me that you're special, and you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. I'm Cody Narvison, and I may be a little
2: biased, but I like getting pens as gifts. I think they're great uh, to receive as gifts. Um, and you can find me on Twitter, Cody
3: BH. I'm Harry. I used to be warped and twisted and hilarious, and you can find me on Twitter, not being those things, I guess, uh, at Chitaki Harry.
0: Uh, and I'm Aaron. I'm monumentally busy, uh, but you can find me on Twitter at RB,
1: please. Hey guys, is Lloyd Dobler a simp or is he not a simp? We said we weren't going to open with this. You said you might. No, we can open with this. Oh, I I didn't say I wasn't going to open with it. I I was leaving it open as to whether or not I'd bring it up at all. But uh, right right off the bat, let's let's cap this at about a five minute discussion. Is Lloyd Dobler a simp? Can he be? I think the I think the 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 core we came upon last night was can he be a simp, i.e. the boombox scene? If he has already been in a relationship with the girl, he's still trying to be in a relationship with uh, Aaron.
0: Uh, I, he is a simp at the beginning of this film. Uh, once they have uh, achieved relationship, uh, no, he is no longer a simp.
3: I disagree with that vehemently. I think you can be a simp at any point or status of relationship, no matter what. There, there, uh, being a simp is a state of mind. I. There are wife guy simps. There are down bad simps. Being a simp. People like to say that
0: being a simp
3: is people like to people like to say
0: the thing about oh it's a state of mind. But there are serious material conditions that impact whether somebody is a simp or not. There are serious uh, conditions yes. around the relationship that you are there have Because really, it feels like we're kind of just making it up as we go. Well, not everybody what? can afford a boombox. Okay, that's the number one thing we need to point out. No, look, once you once you're in a relationship with somebody, if you if you're broken up with, that sucks, but that doesn't mean you're a simp. You're maybe a sad sack. You may be she down was, bad, back but not a simp. Desperately, dude. That's that's the the element of simping that I'm referring to. That's what here <laughs> once once you've been in a relationship with that person that is acknowledged by both parties, the the uh, slightly uh, I don't want to say pathetic, but the slightly groveling nature of symptom is changed. Uh, uh, in a manner that you can't go back to what there was before. Simply, I will. Yeah, I simply don't, buddy. That's right.
1: Whoa, I will. Um, I'll put a pause in Aaron's point to say you're being very, very prescriptivist about the definition of a simp until it comes to the point where, where like the changing evolution of the term actually benefits your argument. So, I want to wash that whole part of your argument off the bat. But uh, I only heard from Cody whether or not like. This is uh, I haven't actually heard at all his opinion. We, th- this was not a, a, a conversation you were privy to. But do you have any like uh, immediate gut reaction to whether or not Lloyd Dobler, as of the events of oh two thirds of the way through this movie, is a simp?
2: Yeah, I, like when I when I hear when I hear the word simp, uh, it, it, there's something about it that feels like a brand to me. You know, like it, it's branded upon you. Like I don't I don't know if that's something you can necessarily scrub away um state of mind as Harry put it is like like i i feel like I'm aligning myself more with that there there's something eternal about it uh it's not to like adjudicate any like negative connotations to that i just uh y- yeah i don't oh, no. know like yeah. like we, we the movie starts with him zimping like it it's also just i don't know i i i find it difficult to like argue out of the paper bag of um <laughs>
3: Lloyd would, as simp, right? I will go one further and say that not only is Lloyd Dobler a simp, he is the ur-simp, and this movie could be suffixed, the perks of being a simp. I think that this oh is a movie that is good to be a simp.
1: My goodness. Everybody put, it, Lloyd put on... All he says, on I want to be with gas. your daughter.
3: I'm good at it. That's what he lives for. He lives to simp. My man lives to simp.
1: Put That's on not simping. Gas masks. We, we, we are in the midst of a nuclear blast of a take, I think. Question
0: question for 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 jason and maybe Uh, Cody, because they seem the most unbiased we
1: have 30 30 seconds Aaron, go
0: okay uh is lloyd dobler a simp at the end of this film i would argue clearly no he's clearly not a simp anymore on the plane no longer simping why is that because he has. we all know the answer to this
1: because he has the girl because he achieved
0: relationship
2: no long a simp no longer I, okay. I would argue I I, don't, I would argue you can be a simp without actively relation, simping. You, you I can, like, absolutely no. simp Come on. Wow. You cannot okay. be a simp without
1: simping. That's ludicrous. We have sort of uh, sort of arbitrated away the definition of simp uh, which is exactly Look, I mean, what I wanted simping to be. ain't easy. Buddy, uh, and five minutes into our episode, we are going to be talking about the movie "Say Anything" (1989), written and directed by Cameron Crowe, uh, produced by Polly Platt, and being shown at the Trilon as part of their Polly Platt series. Um, hit maker, producer, production designer Polly Platt passed recently, I believe, and has uh, recently been uh, headlining, you know, number of podcasts and uh, film production series around the, uh, the nation. And the Trilon is playing. I think is this the final in their series? I believe so. Yeah. 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 That sounds right. Cool. So we've covered a few Bogdanovich, excuse me, Bogdanovich films. We covered uh, Bottle Rocket last week, and now we are on pace with the Trilon schedule as of this movie. So uh, enjoy. But Aaron is going to tell us a quick synopsis of the film before we actually get started with the discussion.
0: Yes, I am. I am closing nineteen tabs. Like definition of simp, origin of the term <laughs> simp. I'm just closing all those at once. Uh, here's my summary. Uh, yes. Uh, Say anything. 1989, directed by Cameron Crowe. Uh, In his directorial debut, uh, also produced by Polly Platt, Polly Platt, funnily enough, also appears for a grand total of like five seconds in this movie as a a character's mother in the yearbook signing scene, uh, directly kind of post-graduation. The film stars John Cusack as Lloyd Dobler and Ione Skye as Diane Court. They're both graduating high school seniors. Lloyd is a directionless yet very kind-hearted young man who has no concrete plans for his future. Diane is the valedictorian, uh, academically incredibly successful, yet lacking any sort of real uh, meaningful relationships or friendships to anybody except her father, uh, Jim, played by John Mahoney. Diane agrees to go to a party with Lloyd after he uh, builds up the nerves to ask her out, and the two uh, actually kick it off quite well, despite their differences, um, and also much to the distress of Diane's father. Um, Her father also learns that he's under investigation by the IRS, and also that Diane has won a prestigious fellowship in Britain. And Diane and Lloyd must navigate not only their own kind of growing relationship, but also their own feelings of uh, kind of a general insecurity about what the future holds. Uh, the film was moderately successful upon release, but has gone on to be a, a very culturally uh, important film uh, in the you know romantic comedy genre. Um, it also has the boombox scene. Uh, you know the scene, Lloyd Dobler standing outside of Dan Court's window peter gabriel blaring um if you're a human being over the age of i would i think 22 i would say you've seen the scene itself or you've seen it parodies satirized like six million times um Yes, that is the scene this movie is known for, but there's a lot going on in this film, um, and that is my summary. Jason, take it back.
1: That was your summary, and these are my top-level thoughts. Uh, I know will what we'll get to talk about in this episode, uh, just knowing our general uh, you know, canter of conversation, but I have a few things I'd like to address and sort of talk about if we can maybe tentpole our conversation around at points. Uh, that is one. The influence that John Mahoney's character, uh, excuse me, Diane's dad has over the plot uh, and generally his story infa- impacts so many more parts of the movie than um, the rest. Of course, it is ostensibly a teenage uh, rom-com about, you know, love one lost and, uh, you know, the sort of malaise of post-graduation, not knowing what to do with your life. Um, but it also is about uh, IRS prosecution and tax fraud, uh, and that has a way bigger impact on the plot than it ever thought it did. This was my first time watching the movie. Um similarly but on off point, uh, the boombox scene, not nearly as climactic as I thought it was going to be. Um maybe intentionally. But uh, second, I would like to talk about sort of the specter of the American dream that hangs over this movie. Um Lloyd has a whole thing with the army, uh his you know, Diane's dad, um, and you know his uh and, and owning a business and like the process that ultimately clinches him and puts him in prison and then how he's able to avoid the harshest sentence. It's a really sort of like cynical, but almost like pokingly fun look at uh, the American dream. And I I know there's a lot that's been weaved throughout the movie, Um, even like toward the end when he's in his kickboxing gym and Diane comes back to say that she's taking him back. They like pose very excuse me, dramatically and strategically right underneath the hanging American flag. And while I'm not sure what it actually meant or what it was trying to do there, uh, I, th- I feel like it's way too coincidental to have not been a thing. Um, so those are sort of my uh, thoughts, things that I'd like to talk about at some point. Uh, but for right now, um, I don't know if Cody can hear me, uh, but I'm playing a song that's supposed to goad him out into the main room. I think it's The Nationals' apartment story. Um, if we're uh, going thematically appropriate for whatever's going to get his attention. Um, but uh, Cody, can you hear me up there?
2: Yeah, I'm peeking out of uh, the, the window of my computer. Um, and yeah, Hey, you're, you picked, picked the right song, buddy, old pal. Uh, so I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, this like Jason, this was my first time seeing say anything uh, as well. I saw it yesterday at the trial on. um, It's a a movie that always it generally had been tied to like the 80s and 80s inspired nostalgia just in my mental mapping of movies uh, that came out before I was born. And it certainly taps into that. Uh, It's uh, a nice feel good vehicle for that sort of nostalgia, especially like especially when you're watching characters interact with sort of the technology of the time you got cassette tapes, big blocky camcorders and, and boom boxes and things like we, like we mentioned. Um, and also, as it's been alluded to, that never felt like the primary function of the movie. And, you know, even now, uh, and it's not meant as an insult. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure what has kept this movie in our collective cultural consciousness for so long. It may literally just be the boom box scene. Um, maybe other people have thoughts on that, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I'll remember this movie just for other reasons, um, I, starting with, with the cues, uh, I haven't necessarily poured over John Cusack's filmography, but in the movies of his that I've seen, I've never thought of him as like a brilliant, physical or physically funny actor. But he really struck me in a certain way here. Uh, his cadence of relaxed but anxious. Like stammers to me tiptoes a line of being endearing without also being annoying. And you add in things like him pacing around and like tossing the the phone cable uh, in certain places when he's on the phone, or he'll make like unpredictable jerky movements when he's agitated. Uh, he becomes genuinely engrossing, and it felt easy to latch onto him uh, throughout, you know, the 100 or so minutes. Uh, also I've grown to really love a good extended party sequence where we witness anywhere from like three to eight mini threads over the course of a single house party. Um, a word I love using is ecosystem. So like the party ecosystem in this movie, um, was something I really vibed with. I felt like I could have watched another like hour of that party. It was very fun for me. Um, and I guess a lot of my next thoughts are are kind of things that Jason, uh, gratefully, you know, he, he, jumped into those, the sort of like socioeconomic components, um, of, of like what maybe the film was trying to quote unquote say, that's something I got curious about partway through while watching it was like, okay, we're, we're poking and prodding at this. Um, this conversation in the eighties is different than uh, any conversation we would have about it in, in 2021. And I got, I got to be curious, uh, to see where that went. And it, for me too, it went in a direction I would never have anticipated uh, which. It wasn't necessarily a bad thing. I guess my initial read of how things played out is a certain telegraphing of correlation between things like money and status and dishonesty and and maybe lack of empathy too. Like I, I view Diane's father as sort of an X factor because there was enough there for him to perhaps like eventually have a redeeming arc um, based on, you know, like bits of background we pick up, you know, that could have been maybe brought forth more in the third act, but they didn't end up doing that. In the end, Diane's father's love comes from a place muddied with dishonesty and Lloyd comes from a place of sincerity and genuine soulfulness. And therefore his affections are colored in that way. Maybe Um, my biggest concern was that it would turn toward like she's out of my league because she's smart and wealthy and perfect. Uh, and that to me just wouldn't have been very interesting. Uh, so I'm glad that this was a different movie from that. Um, I'm kind of rambling, but yeah, Cusack and, uh, Ioni sky were excellent. Hopefully I said that right. Uh, Lily Taylor was also great. The, the four fellas, sort of freestyle rapping outside of the gas station in that one scene. Um, The four of us here have literally done that same thing like multiple times before. So that was cool to see uh, that represented. Um, I had a lot of fun seeing this at the trial on, even though I suspect there were a good amount of like trial on normies in the audience. um, Just because say anything is maybe a more, I'll use the word like accessible title uh, for them, but it was indeed a solid crowd. It was a good bunch uh, to watch that movie with, but um, I've said enough for now, though, I, I need to drop my keys off to the keymaster. I I just rolled up here. Um whoever whoever that might be It looks like Harry uh, has got the bag. Hey Harry.
3: You must kill Cody. You must chill. I, I I'll uh, keep you uh, peace. Oh. uh thank Thanks. you for that. Wonderful introduction, Cody. I am indeed the key master, as I have always been at every one of the few high school parties that I ever attended. Um, I had not, or I had seen this movie before um, a couple times, I believe. Um, and so I knew where it was going, and that helped um, sort of like color my perceptions of it this time around. And I'm really impressed with both you and Jason's takeaways because you really drove to the heart of what I wanted to talk about. As you noted, Jason, that might not be particularly surprising, but this movie works best for me as a really surprisingly thoughtful and um, sort of like uh, a a beautiful message to kids of a certain age, right? Like the uh, high school coming of age type of class of people um, that is indicting meritocracy and indicting the sort of like uh, American capitalistic um, dream of success being something that is born of uh, your sort of like inherent worth and value and planning, um, et cetera. I think that this is a movie that has a lot to say about that. Um, no pun intended. And I think that the way that it is embodied through, um, Diana's father, um, who is played by one of my very favorite actors. I love John Mahoney, um, which he, he brings a lot to this role into this movie, I think, but, um, and sort of like, Uh, foiled by Lloyd Dobler himself, I think that those are represented really well. And I think that the fact that this movie has such a pointed thematic and sort of instructive through line actually develops its central relationship uh, on romantic comedy terms in a way that it couldn't have otherwise and makes them feel a lot more three-dimensional and a lot more real because they're part of a real system of a, a part of a real world. Um, I think not to give too many shout outs, but I think Ebert talked about how this movie really feels like it takes place in the real world. Um, I would, I would go him further and say that I think that just like, like any really good, really established film narrative. I think that all of the characters participating in it are subject to the same sort of internally consistent rules. Um, and I really like those rules because they're rules that are really interested in, um, having plans for the future and in the sort of status hierarchies and um, systems of meritocracy that separate us from one another. And I, I think that that this is a movie where that all plays out very naturally over this uh, relationship, sort of complicating it. And I really love a story that is about how Outside circumstances or real circumstances socioeconomic circumstances complicate these things um, so i'm I'm very excited to talk about that with all of you. Um, I would say that maybe because I already knew this was happening um, this movie suffers a little bit in my estimation on rewatch. Um, I have a bit of a pet peeve with the the narrative construction, uh, which is to say that I really don't like it when a single character embodies the ideas of the movie and that the movie wants to go for. Um, I think Lloyd Dobler's arc in this movie is is doubting that he's right and then deciding that he is and being proven right. Maybe we can talk about that. Maybe I'm missing something, but I I really don't like the, like, blatant idealization of Lloyd Dobler in this movie, especially because he does some things that are objectionable in it, um, right? And and so, like, I I understand what they're doing with him and I understand the sort of, like, Alternative approach to life when you don't have to be a part of the meritocratic competition and you can actually value people for people and see people for people like that's Lloyd is so loving because of all of that and he is so desirable because of all of that like he can really see Diana or excuse me Diane not Diana sorry Aaron uh, for who she is um, instead of instead of just what she's accomplished et cetera et cetera and he can see everybody that way that's all well and good but everybody else knows that immediately and is constantly talking about how Lloyd Dobler is the best, you know? And I like, it's, it's frustrating to me because it's like, this is a, this is a world in which everyone has already had the realization that Diane Court spends the movie having. And I just don't think that realization actually factors that way, unfortunately. Um, And so I would, I would have liked to have seen more challenging of Lloyd, I guess, um, if I'm playing backseat director, but I'm interested in Aaron and I've written, what was it? Was it 69 songs about his opinions? And so you can imagine me playing any one of those songs at the party. Well, Aaron gives us his take now.
0: Yes. Uh, here's here's my, Here are my takes. Uh, Say Anything Rocks. I really like this movie. Um, this, this is one of my favorite romantic comedies, I think. Um, I saw it for the first time in college. Uh, probably would have been better to see it in high school, but I didn't. Um, romantic comedies are admittedly not my favorite, specifically the kind of high school coming of age uh, variety. Um, but even I think the first time that I watched this, you know, many years ago, I, I kind of dug... Lloyd's uh, you know, kind of general expression of, of apathy and aimlessness and um the stuff that he's kind of challenged with uh in this film. Um I am also uh, a man who has uh succored a much more intelligent and accomplished woman to stick with him. So I do have to say that Lloyd Dobler uh fucking rocks. He's an inspiration to slackers and losers everywhere. Uh and I take much offense at what Harry just said. Um I'm joking. I'm joking, but I, I do think that Harry kind of nailed it a little bit before when he talks about the film's um, inspiring message regarding kind of like young relationships, right? I think that this movie very subtly implies that the things that often lead to the success or downfall of relationships um, often aren't entrenched in specific character traits and flaws i mean sometimes they are right but often uh often people grow apart and break up and whatnot because of the environment around them and the world that people grow up in um and i think if i was to address some of harry's kind of criticisms of the, at the end there i think that that kind of is what this movie is about like lloyd dobler doesn't have too many flaws apart from uh feeling kind of aimless but like i think that that right. is that is a problem with the world right um and not as much a problem with lloyd Dobbler. and i think right. that that's maybe a little not standard uh, for a movie like this, but I, I dig it. Um, I actually, I, I think this movie is kind of underrated in a weird way too. Right. Um, I, I think yeah. that there's, uh, this movie's well known mostly because the boombox scene I know Cody touched upon that. Um, but I I think this movie is like one of my favorite romantic comedies. I think that there is, there's not necessarily a deeper core to this film that like nobody's talked about. I think that it's, this film is pretty obvious uh, kind of on the surface, the, the appreciable moments. Um, but I do think that this movie does really nail what it is doing. I think that Cusack is great. I think Sky is great. Mahoney is really amazing. Um, and although I, I think I yeah, so slightly... Yeah, I think I, I slightly prefer Larry Miller and Ten Things I Hate About You, uh purely for his likability, but <laughs> Mahoney's performance specifically in the back half of this film is like so excellent. Uh the scene with with his daughter confronting him in the nursing home is, is really well done. I think a lot of that is the actors, a lot of that is probably Cameron Crow. Maybe some of that is is Polly Platt as well, uh as the producer. Um so yeah, this film is underrated. I always see this on Letterboxd as like Everybody gives us three stars, and you know what? I think it deserves four stars. Uh, so there, that's my hot take.
2: A, a reasonable take, I think. I'm probably in the four-star camp as well, not to get into, like, I don't know, the nitty-gritty the heart. star ranking. Four stars yeah. and the like button. Smashed. Oh, oh yes. yeah. Oh, of course. Of course. Uh, smash that like button. Subscribe, etc. Uh Yeah. Um, quick shout-out, I guess, from me as well. Um, I should have noted how how great... Um, John Mahoney, Jim Mahoney. His character's His character is right? Jim, but he's John. Yeah. He's, he's, okay, he's, yeah. 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 Mister M- M- Sir Mahoney. Um, he's not a sir, but here he is. Uh, his um, yeah, like he, he's got a very distinct. I'm like honing in on like a really specific thing, but he's got like a very distinct laugh, and that along with his facial ticks really like communicated a lot of the the humor and punchlines that played for laughs most frequently during this the screening i was at um so like that was that was really cool he's great um he's also the voice of general rogard in the iron giant so that's something cool shout outs to the iron giant come on the pod um and i i think like i'm glad he was a a persistent not persistent but like he was a constant sort of presence uh i I, like i think a different less lesser version of this movie would have done kind of what like what harry was speaking to and and like uh, aaron a little bit as well and and like i'm not uh, like i'm not disagreeing or anything with like the the movie sort of being um spoke like the ideas of the movie the ideals of the movie being spoken through lloyd dobler specifically and like i was i was afraid of that as well there's it's not perfect, but I do like that we get a little bit of interplay with uh with Diane and her father of just, you know, being he's he's gaslighting her. Um it's not like I, uh, whether or not it's like super intentional, but like there is that scene of them in the kitchen and she's kind of reading into like how he's feeling and she's interpreting like his feeling and uh, his feelings of, of like love and protection as like coming from one place. And uh, I don't know, like, maybe this is me misreading too. Like I, I'm all for like more discussion on this, but that, like once she finds out that those come from a different place um, and, and like, I don't, I don't. I wouldn't know. I don't really know if James Corden is like a, a bad dude necessarily. I mean, he like he he does some like reprehensible things, but like I don't. There, there's enough there for to make for like a really layered performance and a really layered character. And like that was kind of enough for me to you know because I mean Lloyd's not in the movie for I don't, at least you know a decent amount of time towards the end. Maybe I'm giving this movie too much credit, but like I definitely see like to, to your points um fellas about like you know lloyd embodying a little too much it was nice it was nice for everybody to be like man lloyd dobler is the fucking greatest um but it's also just like okay like he how great is he you know it's it, it was a little much but yeah no i yeah. i see what you're saying i think so do you, the
0: i i i think i agree with you in regard to the uh mahoney's performance uh mahoney's um He's really excellent in this. I, I said something when we were uh, we were watching it um, that he it does seem like he's from like a, there are scenes in this where he, it feels very much like a black and white movie. Like he's out of like 12 Angry Men or something. Um, and I was trying oh, to yeah. nail down like what am I feeling here? I, his performance is like very Hitchcock in this, specifically like the turn later in the film. Um, maybe that's like a weird comparison. And I'm thinking of a specific movie that I want to reference, but it would spoil it, I guess. But it, it does feel that way, and I, I talked about the scene earlier uh, in in the nursing home, um, specifically the way that like the the camera changes and like th- this character who is has felt so enthusiastic and loving, you start to see kind of a manic performance peek through as you start to see as you start to realize well, what what his daughter is realizing yeah. as well. I think that that's like really well done, and I think the fact yes. that he's like so lovable earlier in the film, and you're just like so bought into him. Um, and I think you kind of even know the minute like the IRS start poking around. I think you kind of know what's going on., um, but the fact that he plays it as as this like very well intentioned person, uh, who's like unable to have like the this you know kind of darker talk uh, with with his daughter? I think that that like really works. um I, I like what he does in this movie a lot,
3: yeah, Jason wanted to talk about this, so I want to hear his thoughts on it too, but i I really think that the key to this movie is maybe ironically Jim Court, right? like like on parsing out that character in that performance. Aaron, you said a lot of really great stuff about the performance. I think the thing that is so specifically great about it is that. That enthusiastic boyish, and that's always how I would describe John Mahoney because I'm a Moonstruck Stan, but that like boyish, buoyant energy that he has that is so charming and so affecting early on, it becomes the very same energy that becomes scary, right? Because like it takes on this manic desperation where you start to see things unraveling and you start to realize that that energy that we were responding to was artifice. It was constructed, right? And it was constructed out of a desperate person. Um, and I don't know what, what your, your all takes about his arc are, but to me, he is sort of ironically, he is himself sort of a Lloyd Dobler, right? And, and maybe even a Lloyd Dobbler that was once married to a Diane court. Um, and, is desperate to provide a lifestyle and a plan and a system for his daughter that he does not actually feel equal to, right? And sort of like creating that plan is what separated him eventually from his daughter and from the work that he loved and from everything else and caused him to do all of these terrible, desperate things in the name of providing for and protecting this person he cares about so much, right? So like, to your point, Cody, like, Jim Court isn't a bad guy, right? He's just, he's like a a terribly conflicted father whose love has led him to do some really dark things. And I think that the movie does a really great job of, of navigating all of that without sort of like either redeeming the acts of Jim Court or condemning his character because it all comes from this sort of like, Pale, ironic reflection of Lloyd Dobler's own love for Diane Court, right? Where like Diane Court, she she symbolizes something to both of these men. She symbolizes like this this unattainability or this like this um this ideal. And the the terrible irony that that Jim Court never really realizes, right, is that the reason why he picked that Diane picked him in the first place isn't because he was providing for her and creating this plan. She felt safer with him, which is why she said she picked him because he was more like Lloyd, right? Because she felt more like herself and she could say anything to him. So like this really becomes a movie about how when we love somebody that much, when we start to create these these worlds around them to protect them from themselves and from us- it it actually diminishes our ability to communicate with them and to really have meaningful relationships with them. And this is a movie that's all about um, what is a meaningful relationship, right? Like what does it mean to actually be able to communicate with somebody? And ultimately it's about it's about having enough faith in them or enough faith in yourself that you can just let them be right i mean i think that all of jim's qu- court's problems happen when he no longer has the faith in himself that he'll be able to be a good father to his daughter because he's afraid that his daughter is too good for him basically and that is the exact same arc that lloyd undergoes through the course of this movie is he is afraid that he is not a good enough guy he's told constantly he's not a good enough guy to be with diane court but he ends up thinking like I love her so much. How could I not be? And that's what the movie wants us to to take away as well, right? Is that like, that is the actual only sort of value hierarchy that we should care about is, is how Lloyd can see Diane for who she is and love her and make her feel safe and secure in herself. And that's, that's to me, that's sort of what the final exchange between the two men in the, uh, the prison yard is as well. Um, but Jason, I want to hear what you think about Jim Corden, sort of his connection to this movie.
1: Yeah. A lot there. Um, I just want to comment. I mentioned that, I uh, like you said, what you said about creating worlds around people and making how that can make it like harder to have meaningful relationships with those people, um, is I think really driven home by the fact that Diane was not given time to like grow into herself as a person before she was forced to choose between her mom and her dad. Uh, and then she chose her dad, which sort of like set her down a certain path. Right. Um, Aaron, does that spark any thoughts?
0: Uh, yeah, well, I was, I was going to say that, that, um, to, to try and tie this into the character of Diane a little bit. I mean, we've been talking about Lloyd, Lloyd, uh, talk about the Dobster, uh, specifically, you know, being a character without really any flaws. Um, but I think the same is true of Diane, right? I think that this movie is, is, um, you know, Diane, you know, she, she doesn't have a lot of friends, right? She doesn't have a social life, but that's not necessarily a flaw, right? Same thing with Lloyd. He, he has a lot of friends, but he doesn't have um, any sort of a, a future, at least as defined by the society around him. Um, but I don't think we're supposed to see those as flaws, right? I think we're, from the beginning, pretty sympathetic towards both Lloyd and Diane. Um, I would agree I think that.
4: that
0: yeah, I, I think that they are both kind of perfect in their way, uh, and I think that that. They're kind of polar opposites, um, but that doesn't stop them from getting together. And I think the the thing that we're supposed to understand is that it's it's the problem is not really with them, right? The problem is with this, uh, you know, expectations that are set on both of them and how the expectations kind of alter their own actions and alter the actions of those that care for them, right? Like there is, you know, I, I think that there is kind of a, a slightly sympathetic reading of, of Jim in this movie um, and that he he is genuinely trying to do what is best for his daughter. I think he's warped uh, his kind of um, the way he's thinking about that along the way. Uh, but, you know, he is successful in, in getting his daughter to win this, uh, you know, um, what is it, the fellowship, right? Um, and being valed- valedictorian. Um, so he is successful, right? It's just that, that he is so engulfed in kind of the expectations around uh, trying to, to raise his daughter that, that it, it goes astray
2: uh, somewhere along the way uh harry did you want to jump in sorry no, go ahead all right uh really quick um specifically uh about like the the sympathy that we feel um particularly to to Di, uh diane um i really like how this movie characterizes both her and her father um the the first couple scenes we get with them like after they happened i was like wow these are like these are so efficient and effective and like really, like I know immediately who these two people are. Um, when she, uh, when Diane is going over um, her speech in the car, um, she's like, okay, she's... A, she's, she's making a speech at a graduation. She must be, like, hot shit, you know? Like, she, she must be, like, really someone important. We don't know quite what that means yet, though. Like, especially with me, I knew nothing about this movie going in. She's, like, either really smart or really popular or both. And, like, her dad kind of listening and, um, you know, Mahoney wearing that sort of, like, expression on his face that's, uh, uh, and like, you know... Laughing in that way, he does. Um, She's like, okay, this could mean like a few different things. And then she goes into her speech. Um, Diane gets like a, a smattering. Of applause as she approaches the stage, which is like, okay, I know exactly who this person is now. She's uh, like the type of person to make a speech at graduation, but like as she like as it's communicated, uh, and like that's part of her arc is like, uh, you know, I don't really, you know, I I don't really know these people. It's sort of like, I mean, it's based like kind of the the plot of Booksmart basically. It's like, wow, I went through school like trying to that do was all like these things. Bring up Booksmart. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'll I'll leave that alone then uh, for now. But just like yes, like the vibes are definitely there, and then um, uh, Jim Court being the only one, la- like the only one, not just the only one laughing in the audience, but just like kind of being. Uh, unaware of the fact that, like, that he's the only one really, unless I just, like, I don't know, was laughing so hard that I didn't, that I missed something in the scene, but just, like, I don't know, that characterized their relationship and those two people um, super well, and, like, that's kind of, that was kind of the moment where I was like, wow, this movie is, like, really something special. Um, Special news bulletin, like, irrelevant to like pretty much anything, um, I hadn't realized that I've seen Ione Sky like hundreds of times on screen in my lifetime. I didn't realize she was in Wayne's World as like the person in bed with Rob Lowe's character at the beginning. Shout out uh, for those to those listening who know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, but shout out to Wayne's World and Ione Sky for I guess um, that that cameo appearance. I could have saved that for the end, but I just I needed to get it out there now because it was very important to me. Uh, sorry, go ahead, fellas. Aaron, go ahead.
0: Oh, I got I got uh I think this is still up from last time. So uh Jason oh, Seriously edit come this on. and fix this in post, Jason. Well, this, one, this one I'm leaving in.
1: This you? one I'm leaving no! in. No
2: <laughs> I I no, I need to come off as is uh perfect to our listeners. What no? Aaron Aaron, your hand was up. Literally all you had to do was say uh,
0: you know hand. what? I will I, I mean, can I change the subject? I'll if I can change the subject, yeah, of course. I'll I got
3: something. Well the the thing I wanted to respond to something Aaron had said and, and we were getting into it with um Cody's Uh, very apt characterization of Diane as well, which is that I I agree with him. I agree with both of you that Diane is sort of this flawless character. The difference is that... Though it's not really characterized as a flaw or it's characterized as sort of a simple naivete or a um, very sympathetic flaw, Diane has a, an arc in this movie, right? She is in her father's camp for most of this movie and sort of keeps Lloyd at arm's distance as someone who is a distraction to her, even though she clearly loves him with all of her heart. Um because he doesn't work into the plan in the sort of vision and American dream that she and her father have charted out for them, and she and her father come to loggerheads when she decides that Lloyd is more important than that plan, right, but to do that, she has the arc that she has at the beginning of the movie where like she is a person who, through her meticulous uh planning and charting of her life, she has been isolated from the experiences of her youth and from the other people in the world around her, in part by her father and her father's expectations, right? And so Lloyd comes to symbolize not just Lloyd himself, but also like just being a part of the world, right? Like when she goes to that party and she has a good time and she sees in, as Cody noted, the very book smart way that like all of these people are not so different from her or so scary or like they don't hate her or like she has things to learn from them, et cetera, et cetera. Like that is something that Lloyd gives her, right? Like he is a path back into the world for her, back into being part of things and part of people um, because his his love isn't defined by or restricted by this this very prescriptive um like planning charting um idea that her father in his sort of um overzealous anxious zeal to um provide for her has has constructed around her right like she's very much like the um like Rapunzel in, in the, in the ivory tower. And Lloyd is like, takes her out of that tower. Right. That's, I mean, the, even from a class perspective, that's what's happening in this movie. And so that's why the whole, like, I, I understand that they're both sort of very flawless, sympathetic characters. The difference is in my mind that like Diane has an arc and the arc is just to see that Lloyd is the best ever, just like everybody else does. And like, I don't, so so my issue with this movie insofar as it is an issue and i like this movie quite a bit as well but it is just that like lloyd is like the perfect idealization of a male partner and like does not have a character outside of that to the point where like when he's not in the scene other women are talking about how the the fact that he is yeah. the best thing ever. Yeah, and it's I'm, like I get it. Like I I, yeah. I want I want a character, not like this this weird sort of symbol.
1: I mean, I think I would not to like push back on that, but I think to complicate that, it obviously makes that very text, right? It makes his <clears throat> excuse me, one-dimensionality part of the movie to where like when asked what he wants to do with his life, he just wants to be with Diane. He has no other plans, he has no other ideas. He just wants that, you know, all he all he is is his desire for this other person and it's all that he's uh you know like idealized for himself i think the the wrinkle for me comes in like i don't know if it does much to paint that as more than infatuation you know this happens all in the course of what a few weeks maybe a month and it's like this kid has been kind of directionless, I guess, for a lot of his life. Um, you know, he feels directionless anyway, without, uh, you know, a father figure and, you know, sort of raising, uh, helping raise his sister's kids. Um, and just like not, having a whole lot of passion or things that he like pursues in his life, expectations maybe, but not things that he's deciding for himself. And when he finally does, it's unfortunately like the prettiest girl in school and, you know, somehow he manages to get her attention. I'm not saying that there's any, anything like rotten in the state of Dart in Denmark about that, but it just like feels when examined a little too closely feels strange to me. Am I reading that right?
3: No, I get that. I mean, I actually, I have a, maybe a more um, sympathetic view of Lloyd than, than you do on that reading, which is that he does have values, right? Like there's the whole speech about how he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to buy or sell or process anything, et cetera, et cetera. Like to me, that was all about Lloyd being like, Lloyd is able to sort of see past the um, meritocratic money-making structures of society that separate people because what he values is legitimately other people. Like he really loves people and his lack of other sort of like self-driven, ego-driven desires allows him to really see people for who they are. We see that repeatedly, right? Like he's the guy who's everybody's friend at the party. And not just because he's everybody's friend, but also because he like really actually values them, right? Like his best friend, he he takes aside the her boyfriend and and says she's like really talented, she's a singer, like she is actually this person who is a human being. Like that's how that's how Lloyd is characterized, is as somebody who like who like actually legitimately values people over like his destiny, right? Like over his his own sort of sense of who he is and what he wants. And the movie is ultimately saying that that is the kind of person that you want to be with. And that's the kind of person that you can say anything to, right. Is that like, there there 's this person out there who like who like genuinely just wants you and not just for something that that is for them or that that awakens something in them but it 's just something that that they can have um i think you're you 're right like there's an interesting complication there in that his entire identity becomes sort of subsumed by his relationship with Diane, and that sort of uh could be seen as as unhealthy and I think that that the movie maybe like is actually sympathetic to that reading based on um Everybody's reactions to this, and, and Jim Court's reactions to it, and sort of like even the, the ending, maybe. Um, but ultimately, like it's a it's a triumph of Lloyd Dobler, right? Like like the the sort of thing where it's like the um, the values of people over sort of like your own um, self determination or your your own uh, success in the, the future is like the right thing. And Diane learning that that's the right thing is is like her arc in this movie. And um, we get the sense that like Jim Court used to know that, but like ironically through his own sort of Lloyd Dobler-esque love, um, he uh, – He he was led astray by it. So what I what I'm really saying is that I'm an absolute sicko, and I want I want a say anything sequel that is extremely dark and deals with following following this relationship. Yeah, man.
0: You said at the end of this movie that the I don't know the ding at the very end. Uh, you said you always were a little.
3: Yeah, I don't like the ding. I I wanted to go. That's the
0: darkest shit I've ever heard,
2: dude. That ding. (laughs) You need the ding. That's not the graduate. (laughs) You need the ding. I was kind of really quick. I was kind of in the same boat. I was like, Oh my God, are they going to do the ding? There was a part of me that was disappointed. They had the ding in it, but I, uh, the non sicko part of me is very happy that they had the ding. So we've got
1: Harry and Cody and I are all uh, no ding. We're, we're part of the no ding. uh, The idea
0: that somebody would watch this film and go, I want no ding at the end is so, so depraved to me. So uh, twisted. You know what I mean? That the ding is the whole thing. That's
1: the thing of the movie the ding is the thing, but, uh, you know, this is tying back to, or I'm trying to, trying to find ways to tie it back to, um, my point earlier about like the American dream. If there is anything there to be said, there's like, we've talked a little bit about how there's more like external, uh, pressures and factors on a lot of characters there. And, you know, I, I, I like I said the plot is driven way more by the IRS investigation but behind the scenes you know off screen than I would have initially thought when that was introduced as a plot element um you know from the moment that he re- realizes he's uh, being investigated by the IRS Jim has sort of a moment of uh, you know, he's, he starts being a little bit harder on Diane, at least visibly, you know, on screen and, you know, he's back and forth. He's a little bit, he's ebbing and flowing as presumably he thinks the investigation is going one way or another. Um, He thinks that he's still, you know, able to lie to Diane through all of that until she finally finds the money in the, you know, in the safe box. Um, There's, there's a lot there that like when Harry said that uh, Jim used to be a Lloyd, it kind of clicked something in my head, but not really toward that same conclusion. It was like. More that, I mean, obviously, Jim was once a high school graduate. He once had like a decision to make about his life and he chose a path. He chose the path of, you know, business ownership, of, you know, accruing capital, of starting his own business, of, you know, whatever, all, somewhere along the line, these, plans were derailed, you know, he entered a marriage that that failed, he had a child, had to, you know, complications occurred, he still found something to value, he still found like still managed to rebuild his life in whatever way he could. And, you know, of course, that included defrauding the, uh, you know, American um, federal tax system, but the and, and I guess all of his customers, but like that, I wonder what that's saying, if anything, about the paths that are open to somebody when they're at a crucial moment of. Self-determination of self-identification, you know, like that is very textually what this movie is about is like Lloyd doesn't have that he knows his values, but he doesn't have an answer for what he wants to do with his life or what he wants to do to, you know, support himself or the person that he loves. Um, Diane has sort of a path picked out for her that she's not completely sold on to the point where she's not even able to make it through a flight uh, to get, you know, anywhere in the world with all of her, you know, intellect and charm and good looks. And, you know, obviously like interpersonal skills, like she isn't able, she's held back by something because her path was not her own chosen. Right. It's just, there's, there are a lot of different factors that are still swimming in my head that I, I know that I like that they were seen or that I was able to pick them up. I'm not sure where they were going or sort of where I was going with that. But like, when I say no ding, uh, when I say no ding, I I'm, I'm thinking, that's answering a question right that's the ding says like the question posed yeah. is the question posed is like where do you go from here what is your what does your life look like? you know only yours to determine is sort of the answer that it's coming to when when the ding actually happens when like the whole movie has kind of been about it's not always like you are not always the sole determiner of your destiny of your plan of your life plan because things complicated people complicated uh, you know IRS investigations complicated divorce complicates it um, the army complicates it all that kind of stuff and the ding being there is like no it all works out they have picked their own path.
4: Life, it's
0: it's not right. about it all working out it's not about it all working out no it's that what is it feeling about? it's that feeling being the thing the, the, the as much as I like Harry's characterization of Jim's uh, you know uh, uh, kind of current status being a a kind of twisted version of Lloyd Dobler. I don't, I don't think that's true, right? Um, Might be uh, one can imagine uh, a past for Jim that fits that, but it might not be as well. Um, The thing that we know is that Jim's love uh, for his daughter is, is true, right? He very clearly does love and care for his daughter, but his, his love for his daughter is defined by all the external factors that we've talked about, right? It's defined by, wanting to make sure she gets a fellowship, wanting to make sure that she has apparently tens of thousands of dollars in like a little stash box uh, in a home somewhere. Um, and that, that that is the problem with his care and affection for his daughter. Uh, Lloyd does not have that. Lloyd might have that. The, th- the thing the film is saying is not that these people will always live, uh, uh, you know, kind of in peace and happily ever after. The thing is that that moment on the plane that is the thing. That is the pure love. That is the, the correct attitude to have. This is saying that yes, young love can be kind of dumb and maybe it goes a little too quick, Romeo and Juliet style. And it's a little silly, but it is pure in a way it is is
1: unburdened. I uh, love this. I love this read. I love the take that you, that you've sort of adapted the ding to. It's not where I think that ding is telling us, but I do love that you've pulled that meaning out of it. Like, Where, where do you, where do you, is it just by like the setup of the scene that leads you to that conclusion? It's, it's
0: the, I think the whole thing of this movie is, is saying that like, it's not like life will come eventually. Right. But they, they are living in the moment and they are making the decisions that are best for them. Uh, and based on their own kind of attraction and, and, you know, kind of liking of each other, um, And, like, a a genuine, true relationship, I think. And a a relationship that does, I think, feel kind of true, right? Like, I think there's maybe some issues with, like, how fast it kind of comes up. This movie even kind of starts in media race in a very weird way where, like, they've met at this kind of lunch table and Mm -hmm. had a few discussions. Um, But, like, I, I I think the ending is about that moment. It's not about whether they stay married or whether they get divorced or any of that. Um, that that's not how I read it, I guess.
2: Um, man. Yeah. I'm super glad, super glad we laid on this. I didn't realize I had as, as many thoughts about this as I did kind of like Jason. I don't know if I, I feel like I have any answers to it. Like a lot of things are still swimming, but, uh, I, I guess like I'll try to outline how I got to, I think a similar place as like Jason is, um, uh, not to like, I don't know, not to like immediately combat Aaron, just like, I don't know. We're having fun. We're talking about a fun movie, but like, I guess like what may, what maybe, maybe we're suggesting the movie is um, like positioning itself as, or, or maybe just like what we're presupposing is that like, you know, Jim uh, Jim court and Lloyd Dobler are like cut from the same cloth. And like per like Jim was that type of Lloyd archetype you know the the sort of you know he he loves Diane he you know he wants to to i don't know do anything he can to protect her and and love her and provide for her and like along the way he became the type of person who stole money uh as a means of like providing for her in in like a, in a different way and like i low key uh, throughout this discussion and like a little bit while i was watching uh yesterday as well is like part part of the question is like if if lloyd you know uh, as he grows maybe he comes into money like would he become like jim like would he become that that person would he be, uh, corrupted is maybe too strong of a word, but like, would, would that change, would he no longer be that sort of person who is exactly, like exactly. universally flawless and lovable? And that, that question, yes. that, that ambiguity is why I, why I like not I having, yeah. Why, why I don't want the ding. There's no satisfaction to me in having the answer to that question telegraphed at the end as sort of a final note. I love the framing of that final sequence. I was wilding in my seat as it was, as it was half as it was happening. But like part, like part of the, one of the ideas of the movie is like, it's okay to not have, all of the answers like Lloyd doesn't have any answers for what he like wants to be doing. He just kind of knows what the next step is. And like having, having that next step as opposed to the entirety of the rest of your life, your career, etc., thought out like there's, there's pride and like there can be joy in that. And like, I, I like the idea of not having the sort of end game, you know, not having that answer. That's, that's
3: why I could do without the ding. All well. right. To play Aaron or devil's advocate, they're sort of interchangeable um, to and quibble about the actual sort of like very specific specificity of the metaphor, right? That the ding is like Lloyd says earlier in the, um, in the scene that 95% of, of plane crashes happen. That's what Diane is worried about. Um, and so we're, we're all right. Right. We're right in the sense that like, um, Oh, whoa,
2: whoa, interesting. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. That,
3: yeah. That, um, that the, About what the ding symbolizes, however, it doesn't actually symbolize the rest of everything, right? Instead, it's just sort of like an outlook and a faith that Lloyd has that makes Diane feel safe the way that her father once made her feel safe, and that is why she chose her father, and that is why she is now choosing Lloyd. And so, I think I agree, or I really like Aaron's take about the sort of purity that that represents. to, to sort of respond to round criticism of my assertion that um, Jim Court used to be a Lloyd Dobbler, the, the actual material circumstances of his past do not matter to me. What I was saying is that they they possess the same values and they love in the same way, which I think is clearly true. And even, that, even their uh-huh. anxieties are uh-huh. the same. Well, I – this
0: this film is a uh it's a it's a movie about relationships that are the with in which the the core the the structure is inherently flawed right i think you could point to jim uh and his daughter i think that another good example would be um uh lily taylor's character Corey flood uh and joe right um these are these are relationships that 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 Maybe at times feel correct for the characters in them, but but have a weak foundation. Um, the relationship between Lloyd and Diane uh, is unbelievable as that relationship might be. That is a strong foundation, right? That is that is the thing. It is not predicated on on something else. There is no. Uh, uh, kind of... Um, yeah, I, think you know.
3: I, I think I disagree with your characterization of her relationship with her dad. I think that the reason why the relationship seems contingent on all of these external factors is because Jim Court believes that she's capable of and deserves those things. And I think that comes from a deeper love that is not based on... I don't think that the love that we see between Jim Court and Diane Court is conditional. I just think that it it becomes that way because of the manifestations of Jim Court trying to prove that she's special Right. There's that whole scene where she says, you need to look at me and you need to tell me that you're special. Right. And she's like hemming and hawing about it. And like, that's what he's always been about is he's been trying to demonstrate to his daughter that she's special. That's what separates him from the world and from her ultimately, not this idea that like that he wouldn't love her if she wasn't the valid Victorian. That doesn't have anything to do with it, right? I think it's exactly the opposite direction, but I'm, I see. I think I see what you're saying.
0: I, I think the, I may be the only person here who believes this, but but kind of in response to to something that was said earlier about, you know, Lloyd kind of, you know, becoming a gem later in life. I, I, I think that that is, I personally cannot see Lloyd Dobler ever doing anything like robbing from old nursing home people in order to support anybody, right? I think that is, to me, that feels pretty inherent to the character of Lloyd Dobler, I think.
3: I mean again, I I'm I don't see Jim Court doing it either. I mean that that's the whole idea of Jim Court's character is that like this is this is a dude who devoted his life to taking care of old people because he actually legitimately values them. And I think that the movie makes a really good case that that is true. I think that when he says I take care of these people better than their families, I love them. I think when I'm when I'm old give me someone like me. I don't think that's hypocritical hypocritical at all except that he's using it to argue for this terrible thing. I think that all of those things are true. I think he's a he's a wonderful father and he's a wonderful caretaker, right? It just so happens that those things were turned into this ugly reflection because of what he needed from them. I I
0: yeah, I I guess I I I can buy that. I don't see that. I think that that I think we're supposed to see Lloyd as pretty much Lloyd uh kind of till the end
3: uh yeah, in my mind I agree. Yeah. and it's, it's troubling right because he spends the second act stalking uh his ex-girlfriend well I I not to get into that too much but like I I
0: uh yeah I think that that the 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 thing there is I think that that is kind of his big moment right like like Diane gets the the scenes uh with her father and kind of uh investigating you know what kind of how this, this fatherly love has been perverted into something darker. Right. Um, And I think that, that Lloyd's character arc uh, is similar uh, as well, or at least it, it takes place around the same point in the film. And it is kind of challenging, uh, the thing that he's good at, right. In the same way that like yeah. Diane is, is coming to terms with, with this person who has kind of set her up for success. I think that, that Lloyd is kind of taking a look at the people around him, specifically the scene where he's, he's outside of the, I believe it's the gas station, right. And Joe and his friends are there and they're saying, Hey, you know, Diane court's a, a show pony. You need a stallion. Right. Um, I think we're, we're supposed to feel that is like Lloyd, this kind of saintly figure being being tempted in a way. Right. But I don't I don't know if we're supposed to take it that like he's going around stalking his ex. Um, it, it feels like a kind of romantic comedy way of, of having a character face that stuff to me, which is not to say, hey, if you're listening, don't do that, obviously. Right. Right. Um, but, but it feels, I think it's, it's interesting that, the, that his arc in that moment is like, oh, should I do this? Am I a badass? And then like a scene later, he's like, no, I'm, I'm not a badass. You guys are, you're silly. I'm not going to buy into this. you yeah.
1: know Right. There's a good consistency there. um I want to applaud everybody for keeping it above the belt. Uh, we are all still very heated about our opinions, but um Harry and I are uh, kickboxing each other
2: and we're both bloody. He, he's got me in the nose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, the then, only, the only ding that really matters is the sound of the bell before the fellas go at it. Um, you know, you know how that one goes.
3: Ding I mean, ding! It's, it's a weird thing, right? It's, it's our disagreement is subtle and not actually sort of as categorical as it might seem to be. Right. I think it's just that, like, I think that, that Jim Cord's characterization is, um, I like, I really think that this movie is sympathetic towards him as well. Right. And like, is not, yeah. he's not just a foil to Lloyd. Um and then I I sort of muddied the waters unfairly when I when I brought up my unfounded criticisms of Lloyd which Lloyd Dobler's I mean, a fucking saint. I yeah, I'm I agree really, with Aaron. No no like I legitimately I think that that's true and I think that's a problem for the movie to be honest but that's uh from, you know he's doing it
1: from from simp to saint the Lloyd Dobler story. <laughs> that's
3: <laughs> that's that's
0: the name of the biography that the Try love crew wrote about Lloyd Dobler. <laughs>
1: Uh, look for it on store shelves at Barnes and Noble and nowhere else. Just the one in Roseville, though. Um, they is it, don't. Is it not it coming else. soon to the Try Love shop? Uh, I'm sorry, we've actually had to close it. Um, shipping was <gasps> getting way too long with COVID. Uh, we hope to reopen it soon, but uh, it's honestly the the shipping cost and times. We just don't want to, you know, disrespect our community like that. You know, when they buy something, we want to be able to promise it within a certain time frame, and we just can't do that right now. But uh, you know what we can do? We can uh, empty the truck of any spare thoughts, if anybody has any, before we start going. Uh, I see Aaron, instead of telling me verbally, has written into the Zencaster chat that he is good on takes, I think, so I will count him out. Um, Mine, uh, well, just one of mine, is that um, they should shelve entirely the Uncharted movie project with Tom Holland uh, and Mark Wahlberg because... Uh, they blew it. They um, really came out way too late with it because uh, John Mahoney in the 80s was and is the perfect Victor goddamn Sullivan um, uh, character. He looks and speaks and acts exactly like that character would. Uh, so that that's my only take about this movie is that John Mahoney should have been Victor Sullivan in the Uncharted movie. Uh, anachronisms be damned. Um, he belongs and this movie should not be made.
3: I love that you got so much praise and attention for doing for saying that in our chat last night that you had to make it a a matter of record on the podcast. I felt
1: better about it. I got gassed up, I think. I think I got gassed up on the take and now I'm just high
0: on fumes. I believe I said specifically it was your crowning achievement and you will never top this for the rest of your entire life, like not even having a kid or like – that 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 take is like so good i think i I think you need to see it in scene like if i'm just picturing the actor i'm like how does that work but like whatever scene we were watching it was like oh yeah that's yeah
1: the way way he moves like like an 80 year old at 45 or 50 or whatever he is in this movie is astonishing uh but that is my uh now that i've got i I will cede the floor i guess to the next spare thoughter
3: I just got to shout out a few of the all time dudes down bad scenes. Um, Aaron, you already brought up one, but like going to the gas station and talking to the dudes and then being like, so if you guys are so know so much about women, how come you're sitting outside this gas station with no women around? And they're like, by choice, that's fantastic. Really top level stuff. Um, one of the ultimate uncomfortable uh, destruction of a man scenes ever is when um Jim Cord is buying he's trying to buy an expensive suitcase for his daughter and he's flirting with the the woman who's working there and they're hitting it off really well and then all of his cards are denied by the IRS and he has to just like walk out of there with his head held low um it awful just absolute one of the most cringy scenes of all time and i got to give credit to them for doing that to us um really a, a brutal way to treat my man, Jim Court. Um, so a l- lot of good, lot of good stuff. Also uh,
0: uh the, the scene where uh, Diane and we, I don't think we've mentioned this, Diane and Lloyd are, are walking and she calls him basic, which was like, so awful. ahead of its time, just yeah. you, 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 it like there's such just the smallest spark of a man dying in his she, eyes. She you know I mean?
1: decapitates <laughs> him in the middle of the street for God's sakes. Like one man dead found dead in Portland on like, bloomberg avenue or whatever i do like uh, that oh hit so, it yeah, hit cody. it no that's spare thoughts
0: i was i was gonna say okay. i do like that uh they make jim make sure to point out that he does not care and he's just like dancing outside uh on the street that's that's quite good uh cody
2: Hi, thanks, fellas. One, uh, you know, I, I as much as I am a fan of like big swings that movies take and that people take. Um, kind of a peripheral sports thing, so this is kind of on brand. Um, I made a big swing in my in my noties uh, last night during the screening where I was watching the scene uh, at the like the dinner. Part, like that second date and i was looking at that one guy uh kind of who's just there for that scene and i was like you know what that guy looks a lot like the guy who played donald segretti and all the president's men also disclaimer i realize this is probably from nobody um so you can like skip forward like 20 seconds if you want but uh i went ahead and looked it up and it was not in fact um the dude i, I think his name is Robert <laughs> walden who played donald segretti and all the Pre- president's men so i guess shout out to that dinner guest actor whose name i i didn't look up because it was so ashamed. Um, you look like uh, the guy who played Donald Segretti in All the President's Men. So good stuff.
3: Oh, I had two, two more random spare thoughts, which is one, shout-outs to maybe the most awkward uh, and like overwrought establishing characterization scene of all time. When the school counselor inexplicably comes to this high school graduation house party, to accost Lloyd about how he hasn't made a career decision and everybody else has, and then try to get him to do that in the front yard of this party and then just sort of like like brush it off when he says no and then walk into the party. An absolutely incomprehensible sequence of events, that scene. Um, and just sort of like, obviously it serves its purpose to characterize Lloyd, but like why did it happen and why did it happen like that you can't tell me i there's no i i don't know what what's going on with that um and then uh finally interestingly i wonder if uh our opinions diverge because aaron is a successful lloyd Dobbler, and we are all failed lloyd Dobblers. aaron do you have right. any thoughts about that uh
0: that i am the one true lloyd there can only be one lloyd Dobbler. someone will kill me and take my place uh eventually but uh Yeah, I I think it probably does have a a lot to do. You know, you just got to root for the fella. You know what I mean? You just you love to root for Lloyd Dobler. I wish him success, not just, you know, in this movie, which we see, but but the rest of his life. I wish he never steps on uh, a nail. I wish he never stubs his toe. Uh, Great financial wealth. Uh, Wish him the best.
1: May all his planes land safely. But for now. Uh, At one hour and five minutes, we are going to transition into the final segment of the show, which, if Harry would help me introduce it, is called... (gasps) Cody's Cody's notice.
2: Wow. Thank you so much, as always, for that uh, very noble introduction, gents. Um, Yeah, uh, I I don't know if I'll continue doing it in in this way, where, kind of pulling back the curtain here for a sec, uh, whenever we sort of, like... At, you know at, at the last not the last minute but like with a, a week to go kind of sneak in another movie into a series into our recording schedule um last time we did that uh I, uh I put on some tri-libs for everybody and that's what we will be doing this time as well uh just because that seems like a, a fun pattern to do so yeah bonus trilibs for the polyplatt series uh if you're you know joining us for the first time and you're not quite sure what that is um allow me to elucidate um Jesus, that was a big word. Uh, I'm never going to use that again. But uh, in any case, maybe that word will come up later in Trilibs. We'll see. But uh, Trilibs, as you can maybe guess by the clever wordplay, is our attempt at recreating the Mad Libs, uh, the world-famous Mad Libs game that has brought joy to so many folks throughout the years, um, wherein a story has some blanks that need to be filled in with various words and parts of speech. Um, What we've done this time is uh, I've taken a a story, and, you know, made a story somewhat based off the movie that we just finished talking about and what I'm going to do here in, uh, in the randomly chosen order of Harry, then Aaron, then Jason, and then kind of on a loop until we're all done. Um, I'm going to ask and hopefully receive some words to fill in this, uh, this story that's, again, adjacent to the movie that we just talked about. And by the end, we'll have a nice little yarn um, to, to be told to everybody, everybody who might be listening. So without further ado, Harry. What I am going to need from you
3: is uh, a first name. Um, I guess I'm just going to go with Lloyd. <laughs> We're just going
2: to go with Lloyd. Good stuff, Harry. Um, perfect. And Aaron, from you, could I please get say, uh, a last name? I mean, I'm,
0: <clears throat> I, I think I'm just going to go with Doubler. I think I'm going to go dabbler. Man,
1: <laughs> we fucking kick
0: it. it really, I would love the, the 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 trilibs where we just actually recreate the actual movie just one to
2: one. Uh boy, that would be a, a time that we could have. Uh but so listen for that on future episodes. For this episode, Jason, uh, what I'm going to need from you is a verb, if you please. Play All right, and... I'm a gamer, you know. It's always in my head. Oh, ah, I should have guessed. Okay, video game references. I'm adding that to a separate noties list. Uh, Harry, from you, could I please get a a type of important uh, event? Uh, Quidditch tournament. Oh, God. Not relevant (laughs) to anybody, thankfully. Aaron, could I get a, a hobby from you, please?
0: Uh, Whittling.
1: Very nice. you do a lot of whittling, Aaron. Uh, whittling. Whittling. When was the last time you whittled something, Aaron?
0: He didn't ask for one of my hobbies. What's the problem? I've never whittled anything. That is a hobby. Wow. What? What? what?
2: I'm getting attacked here? Whittling. Uh, I don't know. I. For shout out to well, not shout out to the Cub Scouts. Shout out to me who happened to be in the Cub Scouts did a a little bit of whittling back in my day. Uh, I'm sure it was bad. Uh, What will not be bad. I'm sure is what Jason uh, is about to offer, which is a, a type of physical emotional response. Fear.
1: Nice. I'm a, I'm a gamer. So.
2: Ah, right. Adding that to my separate noties list. Uh, Harry, could I please get from you the name of a previous try love guest? Eric. Eric. Nice shout outs to Eric. Uh, Aaron, from you, could I please get the name of a different previous Try Love guest? Gotta. I'll always rep them. Gotta go with my brother Nick. Wow. Nick, shout outs to our brother Nick. And uh, Jason, from you, could I please get the
1: name of a Try Love co host?
2: Host? Whatever you want to. Yeah. Oh, man.
1: Oh, man. Um, (sighs) What could it mean? Uh, Uh. shit um uh jenny uh host I'll go, I'll go aaron aaron okay perfect shout outs to jenny
2: um during the one car y series she was basically a host that was really yeah that was awesome um honorary host let what order harry's up next harry could i please get a type of occupation uh gamer that Counts. He's a gamer. Uh, see, so. Oh God, I'm learning so much uh here today. Aaron, from you, could I please get the name of uh, an organization or company? Uh YMCA. Very good. Um do do, do Jason. A noun, please. Air. Very nice. Back to Harry, who is going to offer up a type of skill. Kickboxing. You're
3: right. We are really good at this.
2: Aaron, uh, a noun, please. Um,
0: not going to go for the obvious one. Uh, wheel (sighs) of cheese.
3: Ooh. I could go for a cheese.
2: Uh who couldn't. Um we should get one after after recording. That sounds delightful. Ooh. A wheel of cheese with the fellas. Um Jason from you could I please get a a type of beverage and after you get done delivering that to me um could you give me the name of a type of beverage?
1: Arizona green tea and Arizona Arnold Palmer half and half.
2: That's uh yeah. A lot of words i'm i'm stalling as i type those
1: well the first one was and, for you the green tea was for you the the is right, 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 the right. one that will make it into the libs right arizona arnold palmer half and half uh
2: is yeah that's hey thank you uh, I'm, a mouthful in its own right um especially after uh, well yeah i mean you okay. should No, i'm drinking the green it, tea this is getting yeah. muddled um harry uh the name of a country please um turkey gobble gobble aaron uh, a field
3: of study please
2: um philosophy the only field of study um d- d- we're getting down to the wire here uh jason uh, could i get from you the name of an armed forces branch
1: um the air force
2: yeah, that sounds. Are they armed? Like
1: Are they armed with it, with anything except uh, mountain mounted guns and, <laughs> and bombs and. Uh, uh, they're
2: armed. Um, that was the worst, and I know you're going to. Little flare cut it. <laughs> air guns. Uh, is that a
1: video game thing
2: too?
3: No, like a flare gun. Like if they go, if they go. Oh, a flare
1: gun. Like if they hey, see somebody they don't like and need to hurt and kill, they they have a gun.
3: Yeah. Man, ch- An air gun because they're the air force.
2: It all came full circle. Uh, Harry, could I get the name of a sport, please? Uh, and since I guess you've, uh, one that you haven't listed yet, I know you've referenced a few today.
3: You're really getting me to stretch myself or, here. Or, or
2: whatever you'd like. You know what? It, it, it doesn't matter. Wow, anything I'd like?
3: Yeah, uh, any sport I'll that you would uh, like to list. How about rugby? How about rugby? That's a hey, sport.
2: That is. That's a pretty good sport, I think. Um, Aaron, a vehicle used for traveling great distances uh uh
0: whaling uh whaling vessel that the specific terminology vessel.
2: please yes bum, 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 bum. very good and finally jason you know what's coming i need a name of a movie brother mad max fury road <laughs> god damn it <laughs> the only movie in existence um very good thank you gentlemen uh doing a quick scan. I think I think we're all good to go, so I'm gonna grab a quick sip of water here, and then we are going to dig into Trilibs Young Romance. Ooh, Ooh ah Alright. <clears throat> who would have ever thought someone like me could end up with someone like Lloyd Dobler? I don't think they even knew who I was until I asked them out by playing them at our Quidditch Tournament period. At our Quidditch tournament, it probably helped that I started talking about whittling, which made them fearful. For our first date, we went to a party at Eric's house. Nick was the key master. Um, Brother Nick Grossman, I should say, was the key master. And later later we found Aaron passed out over a toilet. Uh, That actually happened once. But we had a great time and made plans to see each other again. Our second date was a dinner at Lloyd's house. Their parents' gamers were in attendance, and later, two representatives from the YMCA came asking questions about Lloyd's father's heirs. Uh, he was putting on airs. We spent most of the summer together. I eventually taught Lloyd how to kickbox, and they thanked me by gifting me a Wheel of Cheese Elite present. We took any time we could to spend... Uh, or I'll take that again. We took any time we could... Uh, To spend time together, that was just poorly written by me. Even if it was just to get Arizona Arnold Palmer (laughs) half-and-halves. Oh god, the end of summer approached, which meant Lloyd would soon be leaving for a fellowship in Turkey, doing research and philosophy. I was conflicted. Should I go with Lloyd? Should I join the Air Force? Should I continue pursuing my career as a professional rugby player? Eventually, I made the only correct decision, and as I speak, we are sitting together on a whaling vessel. The movie Mad Max Fury Road is playing on a screen in front of us. But we, of course, only have eyes for each other. The end.
0: Wow. Uh, I would like tears. to state just, just uh, uh, very concretely that uh, although I have uh, hunched over a toilet many times, I don't think in the presence of anybody on this uh, recording session. Yeah, no, uh, you're in the so clear. Uh, uh, your brother, Nick, though, is a completely different story. Shout out to Nick, yes.
3: Shout out to Nick. Shoutouts to watching Mad Max Fury Road on a whaling vessel. I didn't even know, but now, now that is my new romantic ideal. It's
0: like Ebert writing about uh like a bunch of people in like a, a foreign country like watching a projector on just like the side of a, a blown-up building. Exactly. Like, the best form of that actually is Mad Max on a whaling vessel.
1: Witness me. Uh thank you very much, Cody. Beautiful as always, Trilib's Young Romance. Um Check out other episodes of Tri Libs in previous episodes of love and uh, Cody's notice in every single episode except. Well, including the one that I almost railroaded him on. Uh but this has been our episode about Say Anything, nineteen eighty nine film by Cameron Crow. Uh please see if you can find this uh locally or wherever you uh I'm not used to being ahead or behind the trilon schedule anymore. Uh I was going to say that you can get tickets to this at the trilon, but you can't. Um but you can go to trilon.org for tickets to any movie upcoming at the trilon. They've got a lot of great programming slated for the rest of twenty twenty one and uh capacity limits are no longer a thing and and uh, masks are now optional. Please, please do those things anyway, but I wish I had known a few of these things before I went. Um, so uh, you can bring your own drinks. You can buy popcorn there now. Uh, delicious experience these days. But um, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at TryLovePodcast. You can find the Trylon at Trilon Cinema and at Trylon.org. Uh, my name is Jason Daphnis, and you can find me on Twitter at NintendoFus.
2: Well said, Jason. Shoutouts to Jason. He makes this uh, look very, very easy, even when he thinks he doesn't. Uh, in a time when so many of us just want to say anything, uh, Jason ends up saying everything. Uh, with that, I've been Cody Narvison, and you can
3: find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. I've been Harry. You can find me on Twitter at Shataki
0: Uh, I'm Aaron. I'm excited for for y'all to start getting to go to films at the Trilon, and then we will slowly see uh, our takes on films drastically converge, mine from from yours, as you guys watch movies in person, and I'm just like, I just have completely different takes on the films we watch. It's going to be fun. Uh, But you can find me on Twitter, at rbpleats.
2: You mean, like, career? Uh, I don't know. I've, I've thought about this quite a bit, sir, and I'd have to say, considering what's waiting out there for me, I don't want to sell anything, buy anything, or process anything as a career. I don't want to sell anything bought or processed, or buy anything sold or processed, or process anything sold, bought, or processed, or repair any, anything sold, bought, or processed. You know, as a career, I don't want to do that so uh my father's in the army he wants me to join but i can't work for that corporation so what i've been doing lately is kickboxing which is really a uh, new sport but i think it's got a good future as far as career longevity goes i don't really know because you know you, you can't really tell your training sticks as a fighter you know but it's no good you know you have to be great but i can't really tell if i'm great until i've had a couple of pro fights but i haven't been knocked out yet uh I don't know. I I can't figure it all out tonight, sir. I'm just going to hang with your daughter.